the bitching, the whining, the going on and on about COVID-19 as if it's this big fucking deal. When it's like, it's as obvious as the day is long. It's as obvious as the nose on your fucking face. The information is there. And we are obviously in a state of hyperbole and exaggeration in our government and media outlets. They just badger on and babble on about this shit. Because that's where they get their sense of power and control. That's obvious as the day is long. But for some reason, we as a society don't come out and say it. Enough's enough. We need to get back to normal. It's not good for our children. I don't have any kids. Well, not that I know of. We don't have any kids. It's bad for the children. Bad for society, economy, the whole thing. No. Continue to play this little farce. So I withdraw. I'm just like, I'm sick of it. Then with like, you know, the media and blah, 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 I withdraw. Then when you have that sort of mindset, it makes it hard to be around people. You withdraw from that. So what I'm reflecting on and what I'm looking forward to is my way forward involving people and social media. What is the way forward post Pandemic, if we ever get there. What is the way forward? Seeing is believing, folks. From my perception, it's been a headache dealing with people and media and government this whole pandemic. It shows you really how incompetent, how fearful, how scare tactic and disorderly They really are. They're harebrains. You know what I mean? How much of it do you really want in your life moving forward? Right? They always talk about, people need to get back together. It's just like, I know I just gave a big monologue about how lovely it is to commune with people. But as I mentioned, I'm an individual. I'm I'm a recluse. The opposite is very true as well. It's so nice to never have to talk to anybody, account to anybody, deal with anybody, be bothered by anybody. It's very nice as well. So I'm truly wondering where my way forward is. I think I have to be open to it. That's what it is. I have to be open to it, but not dependent Upon it. Because there's growth to be had when you communicate with others and you come together in like mindedness to work on a project, just to chew the fat, you know, have a little discussion, enjoy each other's company, pass the time of day. There's a lot of growth in that. But the thing is not to be dependent upon it. Because when you're dependent upon that stimulus, That interaction from people, institutions, media, when you're dependent on that stimulation, that influx of attention or um, communication, then you kind of lose sight of your inner self, the kingdom of heaven within. So... That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that it's important for me to be open to that. More open than I have been as of late, but not dependent upon it. Yeah. Hey, yo. What's happening, y'all? It's y'all chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ram Charan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent... January 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoes shined up, boy. Boy. Ooh, I'm gonna run you ragged, boy. Gonna make you sweat.
They call me Mr. Tibbs. There was a time in which I could have had you shot. They call me Mr. Tibbs. R.I.P. Rest in peace. This is a little um, belated, but um, as a fan, as an outsider looking in, this is a belated um, R.I.P. Rest in peace to the great, the legendary Sidney Poitier. Yes. Um phenomenal actor lived a long life passed away age of I don't know like 94 I believe at the beginning of the year you know just a couple weeks ago and you know amongst others um, man to serve with love um Lilies of the Field. That was an odd one. I saw that film. He plays like a... I don't know what. he He's like an orderly or something at a monastery or a nun convent or some shit. You know, he's like doing laundry at the nun... The nunnery? The nun hatch? Whatever the fuck they call it. The, the nunastery? The nunnery? You know, he, he at Lilies of the Field, he's like hanging out with these fucking nuns, like this black guy in like the 1950s, 1960s. He's like hanging out with these nuns and shit. He won an Oscar for that film. Or was he nominated? No, he won an Oscar for that film. Yeah. First black male lead actor to win an Oscar. Then he won... Um, well, he must have won other awards and stuff in his... Oh, yeah, he won, like, a Lifetime Achievement Award from, like, the AFI, the American Film Institute, the Oscars, this, that, and the other. He, he's, he's many accolades. In the heat of the night. In the heat of the night. In the heat of the night. Uh, you know, my... kind of impersonation that I did at the top of the program, you know? He plays like a private dick on a case in the Deep South, facing a lot of racism. And he's like interrogating like this prominent um, businessman in this Southern community, plantation owner, Deep South, a lot of different types of politics and societal, you know, pressures in that time. So Sidney Poitier, you know, he, he, his character, he like interrogates this like white plantation owner, businessman, in like the 1960s, shows up as a Negro cop asking this guy questions, right? So then all of a sudden, the plantation owner, right? He's like this old Colonel Sanders looking motherfucker, right? He's just like... Walks up to Sydney, right? Walks up to Sydney. cuffs him a slap across the face, right? And in an instant, in the blink of an eye, Sydney whirls around and backhands him. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Then the plantation owner's like, There was a time in which I could have had you shot. In the heat of the night. In the heat of the night. Rod Steiger. He plays like the police chief. Fantastic performance by Rod Steiger as well. I believe Rod Steiger. And that little um, quote I gave. They call me Mr. Tibbs. That's actually from like uh, a different scene. Like in the beginning of the film. You know, as an uppity Negro policeman, he he walks into this, like, backwater police station. And everybody's looking at him, right? All these yokel fucking Peckerwood cops, they just be staring at him. What you doing around here, boy? 
Better know than barging in here, acting all higher than mighty, holier than that. What you doing around here, boy? Boy? I am a policeman from Philadelphia. I'm in town to see my mother. I said, what you doing out here, boy? What you sucking around here for, boy? Walking in here all high the mighty boy? Don't you know better than that? The Sydney goes, they call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful little line of uh, Sydney's there. Classic film history. So rest in peace, dear Sydney Poitier. Poitier? Potter? Sydney Harry Potter? Sydney Poitier. I read his book, too. The Measure of a Man, or Measure of a Man. Wow. Inspirational. I believe he's from Nassau? Nassau? Some Caribbean island, much like my black ass, you know. Um, well, I wasn't originally from there, but my family, Caribbean, black descent, you know, somewhere out there. And, you know, he... Comes over here as a young man, faces all the pressures of the time, but through his hard work and due diligence, rose to be a exemplary, exemplary example of um, a man, measure of a man. Kind of an odd title, because, you know, there's many ways to measure a man. Right, ladies and fellas? But, you know, great book nonetheless for... Um, Anyone interested in, you know, acting legends and acting lore, history, rather, you know? So rest in peace, dear Sidney Poitier. So if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to yourself. Y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. They call me Mr. Tibbs. There was a time in which I could have had you shot, boy. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out, would you? <coughs> Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know who it truly is. Share me. Share me now. If you're a returning guest to Jared the Bee, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, or maybe you surmised, I am an actor. Extraordinaire. That's being the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about dear, sweet Sydney, Sydney Poitier this morning. Not even, just before I started recording this, it just kind of popped into my mind. I'm like, wow, yeah, he passed away, and, you know, he had some very great films. So, you know, a belated shout-out to Sydney, you know, fine actor. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been, uh, you know, sort of in a pensive, pensive and speculative and introspective and wondersome, winsome period in my acting career at the moment. Recently just came off a big project, big in my world, and, uh, you know, been putting the finishing touches, the bells and whistles on the motherfucker. Have it to share with you very soon. So, you know, kind of winding down some of the business in regards to this project I recently did, and here we are in the top of a new year, and, you know, I'm taking this reflective, introspective, winsome period to see what the next move is forward, you know? Like I said, putting the finishing touches on this project that I recently have been involved in, 
I sent out an audition, a taped audition for um, some project. Sounded kind of interesting. Thought I'd take a stab at it. We'll see what happens. And um, the way forward now is, I don't know, day by day, see what comes. I was going for a stroll earlier in the week. And I just got to thinking, I'm just like, I was just thinking about like, what I would describe as the perception versus the reality. Right? There's a perception and then there's a reality in many industries. For example, I mean, billionaire. Billionaire business person. Let's take like a Jeff Bezos or like a, yeah, that's a good example. Jeff Bezos. Bees knees. Bezos. Amazon. Global leader in logistics, online, shopping. And we all, we all see that. We're all aware of that. Most people. And a lot of people are of the opinion like, oh, wow, must be nice. Easy, 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 beasy, Bezos, you know. Motherfucker's busy as a bee, Bezos. Imagine being the head of like a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company with these logistic webs that weave throughout the world and marketing and commerce and the connectivity of connectivity of it all from the manufacturers and the producers to the logistics of warehousing and transportation to the online interface of purchase between consumer and buyer Complete mind fuck, if you ask me. I don't know how the hell to do it, right? Busy as a beaver, busy as a bee. Old Bezos. Not exactly a walk in the park. And think of, like, the craziness that must come with it. Like, you know, I'm not wholly aware of Jeff Bezos, other than I do shop on Amazon. And, like, I saw a little snippet in the, in the you know, ragtags in the media I saw a little snippet recently. uh, Somebody was talking about like a new girlfriend he has or some shit or whatever. It's like, imagine being him. A world leader in business. A known wealthy man. Who do you trust? Who do you trust to date? To befriend? To be around? To do business with? Imagine that level of I guess a level of um, mistrust, weariness, or I guess the word I'm looking for is the level of hesitancy you must have in dealing with people. But then the flip side of that is the opportunity. And I think that's probably what he reaches for, strives for, in order to accomplish the things he has accomplished. This motherfucker's been in space, you know? I think he went up there with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Or, um, who was it? Jar Jar Binks? Captain Kirk. Did he go up with William Shatner? Or was it Richard Bronson who went up with William Shatner? Anyway, William Shatner went up there too as well. But anyways, Bezos, he goes off to space with Jar Jar Binks and, you know... <clears throat> The hesitancy you must have around all these vultures out to take your money, but then the opportunity around it. Hence what I'm getting at, perception. How do you perceive a career, right? The public opinion might be that being a billionaire businessman is gravy. But it's like, come on, common sense would say it's probably a lot of work. Same with the actor. That's being extraordinaire, such as yours truly myself. The perception is, um, well, 
it's kind of funny. Um, being where I am is really the quintessential story of the actor. At a young age, I found that I was really, you know, I was fairly entertaining. People found me funny and entertaining. I did school plays, school projects. Felt really good. Felt interesting. Then I started watching films and, oh, wow, I really got into films. And I thought, well, I had always been. It was just something that I never really took much focus of until, you know, I one day it just kind of came together. Wow, maybe I could be an actor. And, um, you know, I studied for that and studied for that in theater school. And I went out there and I did what I had to do. A lot of mistakes, you know. The whole fucking gamut, you know, drunk, laying around, homeless, you know, smoking dope, you know, chain smoking cigarettes. Then there was always also the period where it's like, you know, fit as a fiddle, fit as a whistle, you know, working out, you know, keeping the baby face all fucking as much as you can, doing what you can, set up the push-ups, you know, putting on the, the Ritz, going out to auditions, you know, fucking starlets. Sorry to be so crass, but, you know, don't hate me. Don't hate the player, hate the game, you know. I mean, one way to judge an actor's merit is, do they get a lot of, you know, or do they get a lot of, you know what I'm saying, right? Different strokes for different folks, right, fellas? So, you know. Had my fair share of it, you know. I, I don't know. More than the average man, but nothing to write home about. Not that you would ever write home. Guess, dear mom, guess who I fucked. But like, you know what I mean. I just... Not exactly proud of it. But there you have it, right? You know, it's just... You know. All the things that like, you know, the trade of acting. Oh, it's... Guts and innards and fireworks and spectacle. The whole shit sandwich of it all. I've really been through it. That is kind of like the quintessential story of an actor. The romanticism, the perception is like, oh, well, to be an actor, you must be famous. And on the cover of Rolling Stone and in A-list films and this, that, and the other. It's like, well, that's... What? Like 1% of the acting community? And the rest of us, we persevere in theater, film, radio play, radio drama, podcasting. The rest of us thespians, we persist for the love of the craft. And of course, narcissism and delusions and grandiose Visions of fame and fortune, and like I aforementioned, pussy, penis, sometimes both, you know? The whole sexual perversity of it all. There's many reasons one stays in the game of acting. But for us peasants, like yours truly here, love of the craft. And I've been thinking about that, you know what I mean? It's like my story is really the quintessential actor story, which, you know, millions of actors more or less share, you know? It is a craft, after all, you know? And, you know, we all, we all, we all don't get to be king and queens of the, the stage, the, the film, but it's the pursuit, and it's that higher reach, that higher calling to reach for that higher goal that's really invigorating if you can stand the test of time. I've been at this shit since I was 14 years old, folks. I am 35. You do the fucking math. What is that, 19 years? 20 years. 21 years! 21 years a slave, is that right? 14, 35? Yeah! Right? 21 years! And, uh... I guess if I had... I guess if my calling was of a vain, vapid, narcissistic ego, 
craved nature, there would be pain in that. Because, you know, my, my successes are very much personal and artistic. And I still reach. You know, I obviously can't claim fame or fortune. And if my reasons were shallow, there would be pain there. But it's, there's none. There's never been any. The only time I ever really wanted to be successful, fame, was in order to please others. It goes back to what I mentioned, perception. Because the majority of people, they only look at the payday. They only look at the ends, a means to an end, the end result. Well, you want to be an actor because you want to be rich and famous, right? I mean, who gives a fuck about acting? It's about being rich and famous, right? It's like, well, no, there's a craft and a process that I enjoy. And I'd like to do it for a living. And it's pretty much as simple as that. Like when I think back to the times in which I suffered, it's because I was trying to live up to other people's standards. So-called friends and family around me, oh, well, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And my perceived judgment that, oh, I'm being judged and looked at a certain way. And it's like my ego would stand up and be like, oh, well, are they right? Maybe I'm not good. Maybe I'm no good as an actor. Maybe I should just, whatever the fuck, give it up. Oh, I'm pathetic. But then it's like, well, I never sought that. You know? It's like, really, all they can say is that I'm not rich and famous. You can't say I'm not talented. Take a look at any of these fucking podcasts I've been doing for the last fucking 200 plus episodes. You obviously can't say I'm not talented. Can't say that. But they can go, oh yeah, he's... um. He's, uh, he's not rich, he's not famous. As if that's like what my goal ever was. Again, I'm speaking hypothetically as if people gave a fuck. But um, it's not, it's never been my goal. And whenever I wanted that trapping of the world, the glitz and the glam and the rich and the fame, it was only to appease others. To this day, I don't have a dream house. I don't have a dream car. I don't want for things. I see new technology and products being innovated. And I'm just like, waste of money, waste of money. Don't need it. Don't want it. Hey, that might actually help my business of podcasting, performing, creating. Hey, maybe I would invest in that product. But aside from that, oh, that's just a waste of money. That's vain. That's retarded. Like... I'm not a person driven by monetary things. I don't have a dream house, a dream car. Sure, it'd be kind of nice to have money come in on the regular. That way, I could pursue my creative endeavors more, travel. Who doesn't like wearing nice clothes? You know, you want to look good. But aside from that, I'm not really into things. And the idea of fame, I remember like, one of my earliest memories of thinking of fame, I must have been like 10, and I was watching like a MTV Music Awards or something. I was like I was like 10 or something. It was like Much Music MTV Music Awards, and I was watching it, and I saw all the people on the red carpet, and the only thing that I thought of was like, wow, that looks like fun. Bunch of people laughing and smiling and taking pictures and shit. That looks like fun. And then as I got to be older and I started acting, I was like, I guess I should try to win an Oscar. Is that what you're supposed to do? I don't know. I want to get nominated for an Oscar. Which, again, I wouldn't, you know, exactly cough at should that happen. But um, it was never really wanted or needed. You know what I mean? It's kind of funny. I, you know... As I mentioned, the quintal, the quintessential actor. It's like my wants were always so simple. I was walking down the street earlier this week and I was thinking about some of those early times when I was really struggling, when I was really feeling the when I was really feeling helpless. You know, I wasn't putting together 
projects for myself. I wasn't living particularly healthy. You know, I wasn't sleeping right. I was smoking, drinking, uh, chasing after women, distracted. So everything just felt so helpless. And my dreams were things of like, oh, I can't wait till payday. I can go get, um, I go to Taco Bell, get like a, you know, Fry Supreme combo with, you know, two soft tacos and a fountain pop. Oh my God, can't wait till payday. You know, you work in these little pitiful jobs. You're broke all the time, scrounging around, walk into auditions. You don't even have change for the bus. Like, <laughs> just a broke-ass artiste, right? My dreams were so small. Can't wait to payday so I can go to the Afghani restaurant. There was like this Afghanistanian Afghani restaurant that I liked. I used to like going to. Um, they had like this meal. It was like, you know, this this house salad, rice, vegetables, and like this kebab. I've since repented. I'm a pescatarian now. I don't eat meat, only fish and eggs. So I'm like somewhat of a pescatarian vegetarian. But back in the day, you know, when I ate, when I used to eat meat, I dreamed of having this Afghani meal, you know, on my break or one, on, once payday came, once payday came from the shitty telemarketer job I had or handing out newspapers or digging a ditch, sweeping a floor, scrubbing a toilet, all these fucking low down minimum wage jobs that built character. And that I'm proud of to this day, but just that pain when you're feeling helpless as an actor. And it's just like, is shit ever going to turn around? And the, the dreams were just so small. Even like, sad to say it, when I was drinking, just like, fuck, I can't wait to scrounge up a few bucks to get a fucking... You know, I got a 12-pack. Getting a 12-pack of beer and a pack of cigarettes. Fuck it all. Getting drunk tonight, baby. You know? Crack a beer. <laughs> you know? Pass that duchy. You know? You know? Smoking a cigarette. The morning's dead. The day is too. There's nothing here but the velvet moon. All my loneliness that I felt today. That's enough to make a man give himself away. I continue to burn that lamp. Oh, life is such a drag. You know, your fucking bohemian starving artist phase. The dreams were so fucking small. Twelve pack of beer. Get me through the fucking night. Get on with this fucking acting shit. Maybe I get an audition here. Maybe I, I don't know, put together a project here, whatever. Payday, baby. I'm going to McDonald's. You know, one of this, one of this shit. I'm gonna buy a Ferrari. I'm gonna be on the cover of GQ magazine. I'm gonna sit cross-legged on fucking talk show and babble about the intricacies of being a thespian. None of that fucking shit. You know, give me a couple bucks, let me go get a fucking pack of smokes and, you know, a bottle of fucking tequila, you know? I'm fucking, fucking dying out here. Throw me a fucking bone. <laughs> the dreams were so small. And, yeah, I've just been reflecting on that this week. And, that's how I know that the love of what I do is what's carried me this far. You know? I mean, I've been at this for 21 years. 
I've been blessed to be able to cultivate a podcast. Thank you for your viewership. And I have these projects that, you know, I've completed as of late, soon to be released. And everything's on a very humble DIY do-it-yourself model. And it's like I feel no pain, only pleasure. I feel inspired, invigorated. I feel fortunate, feel alive. I feel no contempt or jealousy. I don't want what other people have. I'm like in my own lane. And that's how I know the dream is real because it's like it doesn't even exist. That's a mind trip. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Yes. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Yeah. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Um, I was on the phone with a fellow comic, old buddy of mine, from uh, back in the day. And we were talking about this, uh, we were gabbing and yucking about this, uh, <laughs> this mic that we used to do. It was like this, uh, it was an open mic at this bar. And up until recently, my perception of it was it was a shit bar, it was a shit mic, it was a shit crowd. That was the perception I had of, of it in my mind for years. For years, I just had it in my mind, like, this is a shit bar, a shit mic, and that was a shitty experience. But recently enough, I, I'd been thinking about it, and I'm like reflecting on this open mic that I used to do. And then it hit me. I was like, I was the problem in that scenario. I would show up wasted. I'd be smoking weed outside the venue. I'd be drunk, stoned, ordering drinks. I would walk onto the stage and just harangue the audience. I would just say a bunch of like half-baked cringeworthy, foul things that were on my mind. I would be like a pig. I really just shat on the audience. I don't know if this is a thing that a lot of comedians go through, but part of the relationship on stage can be one of, it could be like a push and pull. You know, are you pushing and pulling? Going with the current or against the current? Um, are you with the audience or are you against the audience? There's like a tension dynamic. And I guess the smart thing to do is to try to reach the audience. Try to be as funny as you can. But if someone should jump ship, get offended, not feel you, then you got to let them go. You can't tailor your set to every individual person. Though you try to be as personable and accessible as possible, but you can't get everyone. If you can get the majority, then that's a win. And you should go for that. Go for the laugh. Go for the funny. Go for the kill. But you can't get everybody. Well, I had a phase where I was trying to go for nobody. <laughs> nobody. Just a contemptuous thing where it's like a real arrogant thing where fuck this audience, they're retards. They don't get my humor. Yeah, that's right. I'm a genius. You don't fucking get it. Well, what's to get? It. And you don't get it. I just go on stage and I, I remember like Actually, this is kind of a funny premise, but like it was never really thought out. I remember one of the bits I was doing at that time was this idea of Cookie Bear. Hi, everybody. My name's Cookie Bear. 
my name's Cookie Bear. And the premise was basically, I hated Elmo from Sesame Street because he would walk into a room and be like, hey, everybody, it's me, Elmo. It's me, Elmo. Can't really do a good Elmo impersonation. You know, I'm too weather beaten and smoked out and drugged out and drunk out. You know, the old throat. It's not exactly easy to do a fucking Elmo impersonation as a 35-year-old recovered drunk, you know? But give me... It's me, Elmo! It's me, Elmo! And everybody would be like, Oh, hi, Elmo! Hi, it's me, Elmo! I was like, I fucking hate the optimism of that little rat. You know, that little fucking pipsqueak, Elmo. You know, the optimism, the gall, that he would walk into a room and be like announce himself it's me elmo everybody's like oh hi elmo they love you right it's like my experience is like the complete opposite i walk into the room the lights go out nobody's happy to see me stumble onto a stage grab a microphone they hate it right so like that was like the premise even though i never said that like all that that i just said there and did i never explained that to the audience So that was the idea, that was the premise behind Cookie Bear, even though I never, that was the premise, even though I never mentioned the premise. I never said the premise, even though that was the premise. It was like, I fucking hate the optimism. I hate the unconditional love people seem to have for Elmo, whereas like the average person, you can't even come close to getting that, you know? So that was the premise. Then I go on stage and I'd just be like, hi, everybody. My name's Cookie Bear. Cookie Bear, Cookie Bear is here for you, cause that's just what Cookie Bears do. Cookie Bear, Cookie Bear, I'm Cookie Bear, Cookie Bear wants to suck your pussy. I'm just like, talk about being Cookie Bear, eating pussy, sucking titties, fart, fuck, doo-doo, dog shit, you know, just filth, really. And I just like bark that, I just bark that at an audience and they just stare at me, right? Like, you don't get it. I'm Cookie Bear. (laughs) And then I carried that in my head for years where I was like, that audience sucked. That mic sucked. That group of people sucked. And then like recently, like maybe like a week or two ago, I was like reflecting on that mic reflecting on that room and I was like oh those people really didn't like me and they were justified I would just like bark at them nonsensically in a drunken stoned out haze then shuffle off the stage and return next week and do the exact same thing cookie bear cookie bear I still do kind of think Cookie Bear is kind of funny, but I don't know. We'll have to see. (laughs) So there you have it, folks. Um, You know, reflection. It's always a good thing in any industry, whether it's, you know, telling dick jokes or, you know, I don't know, advising people on how to live their lives, such as some sort of governmental institution. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, Beautiful, sunny winter day outside. (coughs) Pardon me, folks. That one snuck up on me. Um, Yeah, beautiful, sunny winter day outside. I'm going to go for a walk later in the day and... Stretch the old legs and take a look around. I'm loving the communal aspect people have when it snows. We recently got a blizzard here in southern Ontario. Toronto, Ontario. Is that southern Ontario? I guess so. Southern Ontario region was under a snow storm, snow snow blizzard last couple days. It dumped. And hopefully I'll get a chance to post some pictures. I'm going to go take a walk today. I've been walking around the last couple of days and I saw like, you know, all this snow. And it was just too beautiful to stop and 
dink around with a photo. You know how it is sometimes when you see something beautiful and you're enjoying the vibe of living and you don't want to sully it. You don't want to sully it by taking a picture. So it's kind of like that. It's There's something really serene about when it snows, like deep snow in Canada, when it just dumps down. It's like it's like Mother Nature saying, all right, shut up. That's enough out of all of you. Shut up. And it dumps down all this snow. And I don't know. It's just like this really, it's a real quiet vibe. And you know you're Canadian when like it snows a lot. It's like when it snumps, when it snows down, when it comes down in buckets, in shovels, and you know your first reaction is, <laughs> I'm walking around outside. It's like fucking six feet of snow. Buses are literally getting stuck. Buses are getting stuck on the side of the road and abandoned. There was like two buses that got stuck on the side of the road in my neighborhood. and They had to get abandoned, you know, and fucking just caked and covered in snow. And, you know, I guess most people might find that an inconvenience and cold and unpleasant. But as a Canadian, your first fucking response to a snow dumping is just a a little time-tested and true smile. I don't know, man. Everybody, I was walking around outside, man. Everybody's just kind of like, something really tranquil and happy about it. The kids are running around, their little snow suits, going tobogganing. Kind of a serene, kind of quiet also, the traffic. The traffic is forced to slow down. People have to be a little bit more adjusting to the road conditions. So there's a real tranquility about it. And, you know, I saw a lot of people out and about walking, tobogganing. Prior to the dumping, I also saw people, you know, there was snow on the ground prior to the dumping. It wasn't so heavy. But I saw people like, you know, playing outdoors, like people were playing touch football, soccer out in the park. This is prior to the snow dumping. And then post snow dumping. It's like, it made me feel good to see people communing, being together and that's something that I have to say is lost on me. I'm an individual. A little bit more authority in that, please. I am an individual. I'm an individual in that I'm never really for any heady reason other than just maybe, I don't know. I just, I've always felt on the fringes of things. So, while I do enjoy group activities, sometimes I I really relinqu I really revel in being an individual. I don't really like being around people that much. So when I've been seeing all this activity out and about the last few days, it kind of reminded me, you know, it is nice to be in communion with people, playing a sport. Going for a walk. Group movie night. Things like that. It is very nice to, you know, interact with people. And um, if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's because maybe I'm somewhat a recluse. I don't hang out with people. I don't talk to people. (laughs) So it's like, it's odd for me. I I saw these people, they're playing some weird game where it was like some, I don't really know. It was some kind of made up form of hot potato, I guess. Like they, they were bouncing this ball off this little mini trampoline. And then 
you have to catch the ball and bounce it back off the mini trampoline. It was like six people playing this game. I don't know what the fuck. It was like some alternative take on hot potato or some shit. Anyways, they're bouncing this little bean bag off of a fucking trampoline and catching it. And they're laughing, their tits off, and they're having fun, and they're all dressed. They, they almost had like a team uniform on. I'm like, are these retards playing hot potato? Look how happy they are. I couldn't imagine doing that in a dog's age. I could never take enjoyment from that. And I'm watching them, and I'm like, oh wait, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know? like To return to that sense of community and interaction, it's really something when you enjoy the time with your friends and family. So, I don't know, maybe maybe that's in my future. Who knows? You know, let's put on something on Netflix and forget all about it. Who knows? Quick sip of water, folks. Don't mind me, folks. I, uh, you know... Also, what comes to mind is um, part of what I was going on there about, half kidding, is there's just been a sense of recluse, recluseness, a sense of hibernation from the public eye since COVID-19. And what I'm seeing in the media and what I'm seeing in my personal life is this tendency to withdraw fuck it i see things on the news blah 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 no end in sight blah 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 fuck it it's been done to dog dick deck death death as far as i'm concerned the bitching the whining the going on and on about covid-19 as if it's this big fucking deal when it's like it's as obvious as the day is long It's as obvious as the nose on your fucking face. The information is there. And we are obviously in a state of hyperbole and exaggeration in our government and media outlets. They just badger on and babble on about this shit. Because that's where they get their sense of power and control. That's obvious as the day is long. But for some reason, we as a society don't come out and say it. Enough's enough. We need to get back to normal. It's not good for our children. I don't have any kids. Well, not that I know of. We don't have any kids. It's bad for the children. Bad for society, economy, the whole thing. No. Continue to play this little farce. So I withdraw. I'm just like, I'm sick of it. Then with like, you know, the media and blah, 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 I withdraw. Then when you have that sort of mindset, it makes it hard to be around people. You withdraw from that. So what I'm reflecting on and what I'm looking forward to is my way forward involving people and social media. What is the way forward post-pandemic if we ever get there? What is the way forward? Seeing is believing, folks. From my perception, it's been a headache dealing with people and media and government this whole pandemic. It shows you really how incompetent, how fearful, how scare tactic and disorderly they really are. They're harebrains, you know what I mean? How much of it do you really want in your life moving forward? Right? They always talk about people need to get back together. It's just like, I know I just gave a big monologue about how lovely it is to commune with people. But as I mentioned, I'm an individual. I'm I'm a recluse. The opposite is very true as well. It's so nice to never have to talk to anybody account to anybody, deal with anybody, be bothered by anybody. It's very nice as well. So I'm truly wondering where my way forward is. I think I have to be open to it. That's what it is. I have to be open to it, but not dependent 
upon it. Because there's growth to be had when you communicate with others and you come together in like-mindedness to work on a project, just to chew the fat, you know, have a little discussion, enjoy each other's company, pass the time of day. There's a lot of growth in that. But the thing is not to be dependent upon it. Because when you're dependent upon that stimulus, that interaction from people, institutions, media, when you're dependent on that stimulation, that influx of attention or um, communication, then you kind of lose sight of your inner self. The kingdom of heaven within. So, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that it's important for me to be open to that. More open than I have been as of late, but not dependent upon it. Yeah. I like it. Sounds good. And before I get out of here, folks, um, I'm telling you, it's been a rough patch. Um, My succulents. My babies. Now, I'll post a picture. I had these succulents, these jade plants, jade plants, um, cacti, cactuses. Uh, They've been going through the ringer. I don't know what happened. Um, I think when I replanted them originally, I did it wrong and they were they were suffering for it, you know, and they weren't growing quite right. So now they're in this new treatment process where I got them in water. I saw on YouTube, this is a way to propagate the um, stems. Roots, roots. This is the way to propagate the roots of the plants. Got them dipped in water. Should take about 40 days or so. You know, got to change the water every week. Keep an eye on it. Don't want them to rot either as they're submerged in water. And um, we'll see what happens. So do keep your thoughts and prayers in mind for my dear succulents. The jade plant in particular has been with JR the P since the beginning. Um, I'll see if I can post another picture. Um, It was like episode 30 or some shit that I bought this jade plant. You know, halfway, yeah, episode 30 or something like that. I bought this jade plant. This little buddy of mine, he's been with me ever since the beginning of JR the P, so to speak. So I really want to see him pull through. And um, it's kind of a little interesting experiment that I'm doing. But, um, you know, we shall see. Many great things to come here on JR the P. Um, Different formats, different production values and themes and, you know, innovation, revigoration. Shaking the tree a little bit. You know what I mean? It's kind of funny how I went on about um, the media and how you can get so weary of media and how you can get so weary of the chitter-chatter of the common man. You can also get very weary of yourself. Not in any depressive sense. But it's like, I am, I don't know. I was going to say I was bored to dog dick death of myself, but that's not quite true. You know, I have my goals and my hobbies that keep me occupied, but, you know, all this sharing from the soul, I don't know. I want to find other topics of discussion, other themes, other showcasings. So thank you very much for your listenership, folks. And um, hey, keep
keep on keeping on. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent January uh, 20th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Keep on keeping on, folks. Many interesting things here to come at JR the P. Um, major project that I uh, have been involved with and very near to completion on. It will be a blessing and a jubilation to share that with y'all. Coming soon. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Odyssey. If you're enjoying the show, folks, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, as always, share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight. Peace.